All right, guys. Um, Sergio, back on for the international series. Here with me, I have my first guest from Australia, uh, Rosie Everett. Rosie, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. Doing swell. <laughs> doing well, doing swell. I love the sound of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rosie, um, let's talk, let's get a little background uh, before we start the interview. Um, first, let's talk about what's your jersey number and why? What's the story behind it? Oh, um, fairly simple story. It's nothing too heartfelt. Um, my lucky jersey number is three. Um, interesting fact about my family is that uh, on my father's side is three siblings born three years apart. And then within my immediate family, me and my siblings, there's three of us born three years apart. So it's just a, a little ode to my family and the connection we have. That is quite a connection. Um, three years apart on two ends. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I don't expect to uphold the uh, legacy. <laughs> and my, my uh, brother's already failed, so <laughs> that's where it ends. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That kind of caught me off guard. It's uh. <laughs> what I do best. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be in for a show. I do know that for sure. Um, I can do this without swearing, too. That is a bonus. Uh, Steve, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> he's the host. He does a lot of the editing. So props to him for the platform he's given me. Um, so <laughs> let's go into your dodgeball origin. Um, what was it like the first time you played dodgeball? Uh, it's hilarious to think back. Um, so locally, there was an indoor center hosting their form of dodgeball. I think uh, like the older generation of the community will know what this feels like or those ones that like are in countries that are just starting up where indoor centers just make up their own rules. Um, so I was, that was where I started. Um, my brother was actually on a team for a couple of months and he asked me to... Um, sub in because they needed to meet their female requirement. Um, it was eight inch foam. Uh, the rules were you start the rush on the center line, move to the baseline to collect your balls. Um, and you can uh, go into the other zone of the other team um, to collect balls. Uh, so kind of like a dead zone, but it's for both teams. So you can run to their baseline um it was good like a crazy time good time and you could catch anything um but we were the first team in that league to figure out um you could get your whole team rushing for all balls at all times so we used to have our fastest runner race the other team to their balls while we just sort of would pedal over to ours quite comfortably because no one ever did it to us <laughs> um but that was my first experience with dodgeball i got quite addicted my um my brother ended up breaking his humorous playing um and uh has been traumatized and never wants to return um which mm. is fair enough uh but i continued on the legacy of the everett's playing dodgeball and have been doing that since i th i think we calculated 2009 i am not 100 percent sure i was young <laughs> not so much anymore now i'm old and broken 
out. Um, one, when you mentioned your brother breaking his humorous bone, um, I felt that. Uh, <laughs> like, I felt that, like, that cringe, and it, it's mm. never happened to me. Two. Um, Have you seen it before? The spiral I, fracture? Oh, I've seen it in my 10 years playing at least seven times. Mm. It's horrible. It's, it's never, yeah, it's never, uh, you never get used to it. You never get used to it. So that's where, like, I kind of cringe. Um, mm. I think that's the one injury I've seen the most, actually, because I've seen people, like, you know, break, break their fingers, um, you know, tear their ACL. But, like, the humorous bone, like, I'll never, I'll never get used to not seeing that. You know, it's just it's just a sad reality. But and, I had uh, a really horrible one at my, uh, my league. Uh, one of the, the players um, who was new, um, he didn't inform us that he had, had had surgery on that arm before and actually had metal pins in it. Mm. Um, and so we didn't, um, since, since then, this was in our early years, we've changed our policies and sort of inform all new players of proper warm-up and how to do it. But he basically just jumped on through as hard as he could and tore all the pins out of his arm again. <laughs> so it was, like, it was like a double whammy of just horror. Um, so yeah play dodgeball it's, it's fun <laughs> yeah play dodgeball it's fun they said you'll not yeah. they said <laughs> you could uh, be crippled for life but that's fine <laughs> well to be fair i played american football and i'm still walking so that's not the that's not the worst thing you could do true uh, there's worse sports out there yeah but uh, yeah, being old and broken, I don't feel old and broken. And we've played roughly around the same time. So I'm not going to subscribe to that thought or idea. <laughs> well, look at you bragging. <laughs> hey, I'm the host. I can do that. Um, <laughs> so you, were impre- uh, you, you pretty much had like a solid first impression from your brother asking you. Um, when you said you were representing the Everett's, is there other siblings uh, playing dodgeball or is it just you? Oh, no, that's just a joke because he played for like two months and then gave up <laughs> because of the broken humorous, which is fair enough. There's no argument. Look, he has that, trouble. That, that's fair. I'm not going to judge him on that. If it was another reason he retired, you know what, then maybe, you know, let the jokes fly. But that's a serious injury and I hope he's doing better right now. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Other than that, um, did you have a sports background uh, growing up? A little bit, like nothing to any sort of bragging status. I've played softball. I've done soccer. um, Probably the like more in my older years. My my sport was rowing, so completely nothing like dodgeball. Um, Um. yeah, nothing competitive. I did rowing um, in high school, basically, to make friends. Um, and then, you know, I joined dodgeball um, after five years of no sport. And turns out I'm pretty good at throwing a giant foam ball um, and took it from there. Nice. So you said you didn't really play any sport at any competitive level, but... If you had to pick like a foundation sport that helped you translate, if any exists, of the sports that you played, um, what would it be and why? Because you mentioned rowing, you mentioned soccer, 
or uh, you mentioned um, softball. softball. Um, like, I, I would say softball, but it's not. I don't throw like a softball pitcher at all. I I would throw more like a baseballer. Um, I didn't learn that. It just sort of came naturally and progressed over time. Um, and then I think rowing for just baseline training and fitness when I did get a lot more competitive because rowing training was almost every morning, 5am trainings and then after school and, you know, you got your weights, your cardio and hours and hours every week. Um, so when you're doing regimented training, that background did help because um, I didn't have to come in feeling like training's a piece of shit. You just get into a habit. Sorry, I did swear. Oh, I it's fine. It's fine. We'll 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 bleep that out. We'll bleep that out. It's fine. It, Is it really it, a swear word this day and age? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, w- I wouldn't hold it against you just because, like, I, especially in my team huddles, I'm, I, I kind of cuss like a sailor slash drill sergeant. So. <laughs> Oh, I have a good story about our uh, Australian captain, Claire Spallan, and um, our 2018 uh, bronze medal match huddle when we were down from Canada. Talking about swearing like a sailor. (laughs) Sure. So we, if you watch that match, we come back from, I've forgotten now, um, I think it was a five, it was a five point lot, like we were down five points and it was the second half. And she basically, I think we lost the next set in the first, the second half. She basically calls a timeout and huddles us for like, it feels like 20 minutes, but it's probably a minute in which she swears at us in the most loving and like leadership way. She, I won't say it on radio, but it wasn't like she was angry at us. She was just exaggerating through many, many swear words about how amazing we are and that we've got this. And then it turns out we won it. So wow. swearing has its place <laughs> in my books. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I think in a, in a similar way, I'm like that with my team um, because like, it's not to demean anyone, but it's just to get straight to the point. Mm. And, um, there, well, there's this one speech that, uh, I could send to you, but I'll let the viewers know. Um, this was done by an American, uh, American Marine staff sergeant. Um, it's called the John Glenn speech. And it was, I want to say this was back in Fallujah 2008 or maybe a little earlier, but it was like one of the deadliest campaigns in American history. And in this tirade, which I will not go into because it'd be too many bleeps and too much for Steve to go through, but he kind of does, he, he kind of does what you just described. Like he cussed in an encouraging way, not so much mm. loving, but in, in such a way that it's like, all right, we're going to get to the point. N- there, there's no politics here. It's do or die. You know what I mean? And it's something yeah, like, yeah. and it's something like, like that. And I'll send you the speech. And, but quite frankly, like I'm, I'm, I'm in a similar way. Um, not to say I'm military or anything, but it does have a place. Yeah. And as if anyone 
knows like Spalani or is it Spalane or Spalani? Spalane, but it's Latina. Latina. Sorry, Claire, if I get that wrong. She's married now, so her last <laughs> name changed. <laughs> okay, uh, because I, anytime, because I know who you're talking about, but every time she's mentioned on like commentary, whoever is doing commentary always refers to her as Spalani. But um, yes, <laughs> because they didn't ask her last name. <laughs> That's fair, um, <laughs> but but yeah, like I, I'm very much in, on that same boat. Like, as especially as a captain, there's nothing out of bounds as far as encouraging your team and getting straight to the point. So yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I love a good swear. I love a good rage off. <laughs> Gets me motivated. Gets the heart pumping. There's no point in having someone going. You're doing a good job. Keep going. <laughs> Tell me I'm doing an effing good job. Thanks. Oh, you know what? I will I will tell you that straight up. I will tell you that straight up. That, 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 if anything, and just if do, like, be like, F yeah. <laughs> Get that F and B. Like, you know, that gets me going. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> You're cool. I need you in the foxhole with me. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you haven't heard Australian chants until you've been to a WDBF uh, Anyway, we've got some interesting ones. And uh, uh, if you ever notice, uh, I'm allowed to say it because I'm president and I was president at the time, just. I was, a, I was president when I played in 2018 by a week. I just started presidency. Um, so that was crazy. Um, but the women are uh, wearing uh, FABU on their leg, the women's team. Can you have a guess of what those initials stand for? <laughs> Wait, what are the initials again? F A B U. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an idea, but I don't want to say it. I mean, I feel like I know one or two. Well, <laughs> if you're an adult, yes. <laughs> um, I'm an adult. I'll leave it to the listeners to have their imagination at it. But we did have a chant that went along with it. Um, so. Swear okay. words are motivating in my, my book. I think we've confirmed that. <laughs> that is a same. Yeah, yeah, we've confirmed that's one thing we do have in common. Uh, just send it to me. And then uh, <laughs> if you hear me laughing in the background, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> and if the listeners really want to know, hit me up and I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure over there um, you guys have different ball types. Here in the States, we have 8.5 rubber, no sting, foam, and cloth, which is relatively new to us overall. Um, mm. If you had to rank the ball types over there, um, as far as what your favorite is, what would it be in what order and why? Um, I would say foam first. It was the first ball I played with officially for an international standard. Um, it's something that I can throw without having to adapt my throw, if that makes sense. Like I just throw it naturally. I can pick it up and, you know, it forms in my hand quite well. So as uh, I mean, I'm an average size woman with average size hands and then some balls I pick up, I think I've tried, I've tried seven inch rubber, before we um we imported some from thank you jake um he sent some over to us um 
so we could do trampoline dodgeball. Like, uh, what was it? UDC. So we did a similar um, pattern here at home and I found because the bladder was so inflated, um, it was, it was quite hard for me to grip. Like I could do it. I could throw it better than a cloth ball. So in terms of my ranking, it would be foam due to my natural throw and how it works with a foam ball. Then it'd be rubber because it does have a little bit of give and then it'd be cloth. I still love cloth rules, but in terms of the ball, I think it needs some work. Um, it is a volleyball. It's a beach volleyball, if we're going to be honest here. Um, and I don't think it was built for dodgeball. Um, but I do have my phone bias. I'm going to claim it now. Um, but I do love so many of the cloth rules. They're so much fun. Um, same with the like the rubber, some of the rubber leagues uh, I've watched have some really fun rules, but there's also some Canadian foam leagues that have weird rules as well. And I just like, I feel like foam rules, um, hmm, how do I put this? I feel like foam rules can be quite boring and they've set themselves to be boring and that dodgeball is meant to be fun and meant to be a really exciting game to watch. And we've made foam not as watchable, not as fast as it could be. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. I can't speak for the whole of WDBF, uh, but yeah, that's how I rank it is it's, it's foam, rubber, cloth. And then I don't know what else people play with rocks. That's zero. Don't rank that. Um, <laughs> oh, we have this thing. Uh, we had this thing back in the day called stingers, and they would be about a, a good size, about the size, a little bit bigger than a softball. So, um, yeah, that that's the closest thing to rocks. Like a nightmare. And why would you destroy other people like that? <laughs> I'm going to say this now because I'm crazy that way. <laughs> but no, it, stingers I, have been phased out um, as far as like. I don't think there's any tournament in the States that play with stingers. And I think we're the only nation in the world that ever did. So I think we had a, like a quick round of like playing, is it a wiffle ball? No, not a wiffle ball. What's that? Uh, you can do trick throws with it. And it's like hexagonal and hard and hurdy. We tried that once and hurt. <laughs> Ooh. Don't recommend it. Um, we stopped after like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Same with the tennis ball. Anything small and hard, I don't recommend. Um, you're going to throw your shoulder out for one and then you're just going to take out an eye on another person. I haven't tried uh, eight-inch rubber, the big ones. Yeah. Uh, Jake they... didn't import those? No, he gave me the smaller ones, which were nice. The nothing ones. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I can't tell the difference we don't really have it in australia <laughs> well i do know you guys have kickball out in australia and that's pretty much the eight and a half balls that we use here we have kickball sick wow I okay i didn't i didn't know that you didn't know that but i knew that very well <laughs> I, have, I have some friends out there and um they used to live here in la and some in uh melbourne and some in adelaide so they tell me how they, that they play competitive. We have kickball in Adelaide. Sorry, Adelaide has nothing. Like, <laughs> nothing. I did not know that. 
I'm going to check that out because I've always watched it in movies and I wanted to try it. So thank you. <laughs> There's kickball in movies? <laughs> yeah, like all those New York ones. They're like, yeah, let's go play some kickball in the park. And you know, they just, or stickball. What's stickball? Uh, so stickball, <laughs> stickball uh, in layman's terms, it's baseball, but played in a neighborhood park with a broomstick. So cool. yeah, you pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much what I call a poor man's baseball because growing up in some areas, there's not adequate fields or adequate equipment supplied to the kids, but the love of the game is still there. So they'll play literally in street and, you know, somebody will have like an old broomstick and somebody will have like, it could either be like a small golf ball or like a wiffle oh. ball or even a bottle cap, you know, you, you just Whoa. play with what you can. And that's how a lot of like some of our uh, baseball players develop. Oh yeah, you'd get so good at baseball, which is just like a st- if you're hitting a bottle cap with a stick, you surely can <clears throat> hit a baseball with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, but you also have to think about it. Like you're not throwing a bottle cap as fast as a grown adult throwing a baseball. So in some ways that translates, but in other ways it's just like unless you're really talented or really refined, that transition doesn't always go over so well yeah fair i'm still <laughs> impressed <laughs> yeah i'm a bit of an analytical nerd so sorry for that breakdown um, I, can, I can tell <laughs> ouch <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting burned on this episode people hope you're enjoying this it's uh, <laughs> all accidental and don't mean any of it yeah i know it's all fun it's all fun um so let's kind of get back to you um what drew you to the competitive side as far as like wanting to play for Team Australia and what inspired you to pursue being the president of the ADF? Uh, these are great stories. Um, so the first one, the, the national team. Um, so I moved, so I, I lived in Adelaide. That's where I first started. I stopped after like at our team fell apart and I just stopped playing. I'm, I actually lived in Canada for a while and then I came back and then moved to Melbourne um, on a whim. Um, and I joined a local dodgeball league, played there for, I think, six months to a year. And then I, I was like, look, I'm getting kind of bored. I'm going to try some other places. Um, one of my friends that I met in that league invited me to this other one which um, what is actually owned by my competing national org, his local league. So I actually played in his league originally. Um, oh, wow. And uh, I met the then national players. They were all on the same team. Had no idea, by the way. Just rocked up for a casual game of dodgeball. Um, Played my little heart out, did okay uh, in my books. And then one of the, <laughs> the girls um, was very nice and asked me if I wanted to play for Team Australia um, and that they were doing tryouts. And I had no clue Dodgeball had a national team at that point, as we all do when we find out. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, sure, sounds like fun. What's happening? I didn't really know what I was getting into, to be fair. I was just, I was just there to play and giggles sorry about the swear word um (laughs) and uh so i tried out 
they liked me. I passed. And um, yeah, and then I went and played in Vegas in 2015 was the first time I played. Oh, wow. Um, so that was the Bill Fair era before Jake Mason took over. I think Correct. Jake was helping host it. Um, or he was, I can't specifically to be honest, I was drunk for most of the first half. Not not during play, but like I was drunk most of the time I was in Vegas because That's Vegas. I'm I'm in Vegas. Like yeah. what else am I gonna do? They had this really like Bill Fair or Jake or whoever, I had no clue at the time, organized this amazing pre tournament like uh, exhibition in some Vegas. It was in the mall, right? Yeah. Something we came up from out of the basement. I was so hungover that day. <laughs> I had actually thrown up three times before oh, um, going on court, and we had to do an exhibition match against Malaysia, who I had no clue were absolutely awesome at the time. And they were, I was just like trying to understand where the hell I was. Um, <laughs> I tried to pick up a ball they would just annihilate me and i had no clue what was going on i had to apologize to my team after i'm like i had no clue it was going to be this serious i'm so sorry <laughs> um <laughs> so that was my first experience it's a bit embarrassing um but we ended up winning silver that year so that was pretty cool and um, we only lost in a sudden death against usa um so i was pretty proud of us for a bunch of people who were I think the girls previously had only played in two tournaments and the first one was a bit of a, a write-off from what I've read. <laughs> it was yeah. a bit of a fun time. Um, <laughs> so like I would say 2015 was the first time we were taking dodgeball seriously um, when it hit the U S and uh, I, I wasn't prepared, but everyone else was. <laughs> <laughs> uh and i was actually at the time i was 30 kilos heavier so i was a national player but i was actually very unfit <laughs> <laughs> um things changed over time when i actually realized it was a serious thing and I, I stopped drinking so much um now with the presidency is another a fun story um so i was personal friends with the president at the time um he was needing help. So I said, I'll jump on. What do you need me to do? Um, and he's like, I need coordination of the like affiliated leagues here. Just like um, make friends with them, ask what they need um, and start doing all these things. And so I started doing that. And then we, um, we got the pretty rough news. And I mean, if my rival organization Here's this. That's cool. I can say it. Um, we got the rough news that our rival organization actually got um, recognition in Australia, which is actually quite hard to do uh, because I've done significant research since then um, in which I basically did all that research right before becoming a president. Um, and uh, the stress of the presidency, I believe, got to my former um, president, Luke, um, he was also head coach of the national team for men and women. So it's a lot to burden at the time. He, um, so he bowed out about a week prior and I'd just done a whole bunch of work for the ADF um, just in my spare time. He nominated me as an interim president, um, I guess, because I just 
was organized. Um, <laughs> and uh, I called for a legitimate election. Um, I think right before, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like, right, well, I'm president now. There was, as I say, I wanted to actually be, if this is what everyone wants, I'll do it. If it's, if everyone else has other ideas, we don't have to follow this plan sort of thing. So I called for an election. I got officially elected in about a week prior to Worlds in um, LA, in which I was on the national team. Um, it was just a schmozzle of a time for me. It's another blur, not because I was drunk the whole time. This time it's stress. <laughs> <laughs> but I had lost 30 kilos by then. So that's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, um, it was, uh, I think we're going to talk about it later, but there was a, a interesting moment in that tournament that I'm both proud of and wish never happened at, at the same time. Mm. So we can talk about it later. I know you're going to ask me a question. You've already prompted. So we'll talk about it. Okay. I'll definitely be uh, interested in hearing that. Uh, but <laughs> A schmuzzle? <laughs> what was that? A schmuzzle? I make up words, man. I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair Schmuzzle. That's, that's a word. Schmuzzle. Schmuzzle. You know, you know, you had a a blurry of a time if you have to make up a new word. So going Sh forward, I'm googling it. <laughs> you can't even spell it. You just made it up like 30 seconds ago. Okay, only three <laughs> things came up. I. Yeah, well, I've never seen that happen in Google. Only th three things came up. So it doesn't exist. I have made up a word. Fair enough. So if you had a schmuzzle of a good time, or no, if you had a schmuzzle of a time, it's a good time. Got it. No, I would say it's like a blur. You are correct. It's like a blur. It's just like I can't really remember it. Yeah. A blur. <laughs> Got it. All right. Um, so... Did you have any role models growing up, whether they were athletes or just anyone in general to help refine who you are as a person? Um, yes, but I wouldn't say it's a sports thing. I have never really watched much sports in my life. Um, so to say a sports athlete or anyone. It doesn't have I mean, to be a sports athlete. It just in general yeah i think in a, as a personal like like i would say my mom is is basically my hero she does a lot for other people um and always puts others before herself um and i try to do that as best i can and i always feel like i'm second to what she can do um so yeah i would say my mom it's a powerful role model to have there. <laughs> mm. All right. So <clears throat> this one could, this question could quite be, uh, could be unique in your situ in your uh, current status. So do you have any pre-game uh, pre rituals as a player? Well, okay. Um, are you asking me now or are you asking me in 2018 where I actually was cared about what I was doing? <laughs> okay. We'll go 2018. 2018? Um, yeah. so I've actually found out that what I did was probably illegal. Um, just noting, um, but I had a lot of pre-workout mixed with energy drink 
Um, it was something my partner at the time was drinking. I loved it. I loved me some caffeine. So it was a, a pretty like high, it's like a legal substance to uh, consume, but not prior to a tournament. But in saying that the WDBF didn't have any anti-doping rules at the time. Sorry, Dwayne. Um, so, um, and we can't get tested right now because it's quite an expensive process. So not that I should really say this, but if you're going to dope, now's the time to do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that would be my pregame ritual. Um, make sure the nerves don't get, get to you either. Just like for me, competition, I have like a very high anxiety. So competition is a very anxiety inducing thing. So anything I can do to besides take a lot of stimulants to keep me going, um, Anything I can do to keep calm is generally what I do. So my stretches are usually slow um, and then um, in the background and then I will start to um, do a lot of arm warm-ups and constant throughout a tournament, especially if you're playing welds. It's, you just got to constantly move your arm. Otherwise, it will die on you um, if you slow down, um, which I, I found out in 2015. I got um, pretty bad arm injuries. Not Nothing like a humorous break, but like it was – it was feeling like it was falling off at that point. Um, otherwise, the pregame ritual is just try to, if you've got anxiety, don't get in your head about anything. The lovely thing about dodgeball is everyone has a purpose and any game is, you know, anyone's to claim, as you can tell from our bronze medal match. <laughs> yeah, um, that's very evident. And... Uh, yeah. If you treat it like it's going to be life or death, you're probably going to die. Um, but if you treat it like it's just back at home, local play, having fun, you're going to probably play your best um, because that's what you're used to. And that's, you know, if the stress is off you, then, I mean, in my eyes, that's when you play your best. It doesn't work for everyone. I know this. I am a stress head, so for me to maintain stress is key. Um, but yeah, my pre-game ritual is lots of stimulants and try to keep calm while your heart rate is really high up. Good fun. Yeah, it's almost like you're almost like, yeah, stimulants while your stress amplifies what you're already feeling. Yeah, but you got to keep the heart rate up. Like you got to have yeah, some true. sort of adrenaline. Um, but I think to induce it, through stimulants rather than naturally through stress is a little bit better. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm, so you, I'm so like the worst like a... athlete. <laughs> don't ask me what, don't take my advice. Ask someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. Um, so you don't listen to any like music to kind of calm your nerves? Uh, nah. <laughs> Fair enough. Straight to the point. <laughs> At it. <laughs> I think right. I tried once and then people kept talking to me. So there's no point having that as your pregame ritual, especially when coaches are like, we need to talk about game plan. And then you're just like, oh, I'm listening to my like calming music. You need to be able to do it on a fly. You need to be able to calm and understand what's going on. That's fair. That's fair. So before we go into the crowdsource questions, there was actually one question I forgot to ask. Uh, let's talk about how would you describe your play style? Anyone who knows me back home is uh, 
and I'm so sorry for all coaches I've ever had, but it's basically chaos and I don't listen to anyone. Um, <laughs> again, <laughs> I don't follow me. I don't know why anyone selected me for the national team. I'm uncoachable. Um, but <laughs> the, I just love sniping. I love taking people off guard. Um, it, I mean, when people can see it coming and they catch you, feels really bad it's like heartbreaking moment but i love <laughs> chaos um order play bores me to death probably one cloth speaks to me more in terms of its rules um it's just it's a lot more chaos high pace you're just reacting reacting seeing a chance taking that chance like that's what dodgeball is to me whereas like all this calculated strategy, unless it is flexible, unless your strategy is flexible to the gameplay that is happening, you're only going to perform to a certain level. I think to get everyone's game to the next level, it needs to be an adaptive play based off reactions and <clears throat> what is on court. That's yeah, I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, <laughs> You have to have a sense of structure, but you also have to have a sense of adaptation yeah. as far as what the game brings. Um, I mentioned this before, and I forgot which interview, but I feel like dodgeball is like a constantly configurating uh, jigsaw puzzle. Mm. It's not like where you fix just one side and that side is over. You fix the other six or seven sides of it. It's constantly yeah. changing. So like fast-paced chess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fast-paced chess where athleticism and intellect definitely takes precedence, especially the intellect part, because mistakes, especially in the national level, are amplified more so than the rec level. So Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to be the most talented person to be on the national team. You just you could be the smartest player on there. You can take take those key counters, understand when, you know. My favorite thing is um, small women who take advantage of giant chaotic men on court because the men just ignore them. And it's my favorite thing to watch because it's, it's, it's smart versus dumb and it's like power versus brains. And it's so good when they just go, yep, you're out. And they're like, Oh, but you're just like, yeah, get out. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I've seen that happen plenty of times here as well. So glad to know that it's happening across across the pond on your end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to go into the crowdsource questions, and there's quite a few here. Um, so my last episode I had from Italy, Cristiano Prifty, and there's a quite, a, quite a bit of a thread here. So <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to ask me who I'm dating? (laughs) No, God, no, 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 no. We we will not go into any of that, nor will I ask that. And I don't think anyone, no, no one here asked that. So he says, does Australia exist? The ADF. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I I responded as the ADF because I love to insert a little bit of fun where I can because I get a little bit bored out here. So I responded as the ADF. Yes, so Australia does exist. So your the ADF's response was, no, Australians are paid actors from NASA to maintain the lie that the Earth is round. Yeah, but me personally, I don't know why the ADF would say that. Um, 
bunch <laughs> of crazy people over there. Yeah. Um, Lunacy is the medicine we all need in life. So, okay. So, he, do you know who Andre Fontaine is? Should I? <laughs> I'm sorry if I've met him. <laughs> okay. So, I think he's kind of like playing off of what Christian said. Uh, so, is Australia really upside down? Ah, yes. I responded to that one too, didn't I? I mean, the ADF yes. did. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Steve Damon asks a serious question. He's the host of the Dodgeball podcast. Um, so please explain the process for making the Australian team, and how often do you get the, oh, just like the movie reactions? Oh, uh, the, the last one is just like every time I mention it. My, um, my work just today was like, you should talk about Dodgeball more. I'm like, I want to avoid that conversation right now. Like, <laughs> Let's just get on with my life. I love dodgeball, but I'm just so over that. Oh, do you dodge a wrench? I like do not bring it up at parties anymore. And then like occasionally a friend of mine will be like, yeah, she owns dodgeball. And then the whole stupid thing happens again. And I'm just done. I'm done. It's been 11 years of this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so second, second question answered um, all the time. Um, try to avoid it when I can. I did, I have to admit, as a league owner, I did pounce on the um, occasional free advertising of Dodgeball the movie. It's just super easy to like when you're first launching to utilize that. Everyone knows it. <laughs> but I don't do that anymore. I try to, I try to, when I've got a new player, um, who like talks about the movie to me, I grin and bear it. And I know that they're coming from a place of ignorance and that soon they will be converted to the real sport. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, so, okay. So you answered the second one. So what about the first uh, one? What's the process to make team Australia? So really, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> key time to ask that question. Pre COVID, um, there was a big discussion with the head coaches last year, um, early last year, that we need to change our national team program. It's not working. It's an incredible um, amount of stress on coaches and the, um, the director of the national team, Jazzy May, um, and or Jazzy Goyette, if you want to use her real name. Um, <laughs> And she and them um, wanted to reform it. So I did this big meeting with everyone um, late last year after having that initial discussion of what we're going to do um, because uh, Mexico had just finished and we're wanting to reform the national program. Little did we know that COVID was going to hit. So we had those initial conversations um, and we didn't quite know when. I think I originally planned to delay it and continue as on with our old system. Um, do you want me to explain what that was? Sure. I can't even remember what it was. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Um, we have this giant national selection camp that's been running for a few years. We actually hosted the last few at the Australian... Um, uh, God, sorry. Been up for a long time now. Um, we posted it in Canberra, which is our capital of Australia. Uh, we're at the. Let me look this up. Where are we? 
Well, you're on the East Coast. I know that. I'm on the South Coast. South? Um, yeah, I live away from everyone else. <laughs> okay. Oh, you. I'm to, okay, you are. Yeah. Um, so we used to host it basically at the big national um, area place board. Fuck, why can't I remember it? <sighs> COVID's taken away that much from us. Yeah, including my memory. Uh, Australian <laughs> Institute of Sport. Nailed it. Um, so we used to host it there. Um, we had, uh, I think, um, I think up to 70 people last time we hosted it there. Um, and we did a training camp as well there. It's a really great facility. I would say if anyone, I don't think they're going to listen. Anyone from the AIS is listening, please upgrade your beds. They suck. Um, really (laughs) suck for athletes. Like you don't get a good night's sleep on them. Um, which was horrible. So we did change it last year for our national camp to be hosted in Melbourne in which people could source their own accommodation. So a lot of people chose Airbnbs, which um, ended up working out cheaper for everyone. And you just do uh, two or three days of training under the guidance of the head coaches. Um, Last year was huge we had uh four different programs we had the women's foam the men's foam the cloth women's the cloth men's uh going at the same time so we had uh three basketball courts going with uh two or three dodgeball courts on each um and that was all organized by jazzy who's an absolute superstar of a manager to coordinate all of that and then we had oh, i did do stats while i was there because i had nothing else to do because i'm the <laughs> president um and uh i think we had something like 200 300 people attending that um we recorded every game and we had a selection panel now the reason we've changed that is um when you've got that many people, the ratio goes way off. Like the ratio of like selectors and people watching goes way off. We end up on the day, end up trying to help people, whether it's injuries or like advice and end up not watching everyone. So um, it's like, it was amazing coordination and it was so good for like networking and meeting people from across the country but in terms of selection, and we all agreed on this after um, that it's not the best way to select. Um, it needs to be staged and there needs to be smaller. Um, so we have changed the format of our selections. So now, and it is being alpha tested, so bear with me, is we're doing state-based squads. So we've only got two three, four, we've only got four states of Australia that play dodgeball officially. Um, We've got, I think, a fifth one that sort of is just an indoor centre. No, sorry, two of them. Um, And so those four states have state squads um, and those four states also have state coaches, state assistant coaches, state selection panel members, uh, TBC, well, some of them, and uh, uh, state uh, team managers. So there is a team based in your state helping you coordinate your training. 
Um, and then they also give feedback to the head coaches. Um, there should be tournaments and um, selection, not selection camps, sorry, training camps throughout the year. That was the idea for this year, but obviously that fell apart. Um, <laughs> and uh, from there, the state-based teams select their representatives of their state to go to these national camps. So you've got a really good spread of good players. Um, the ratio does... Um, tend to lean towards more Victoria and New South Wales due to the fact that they have higher members in their state. So we make it a ratio based off your membership numbers within your state. So if you've got more members in your state, you get more representative slots. Um, so SA, for example, where I live, we've got very low amounts, same with WA at the moment. Um, and so we don't send as many representatives but we also send the best of the best of our states so they should be on par um, with the other people like the Victorians who have been doing it for the longest competitively um, so that's the idea and then from those groups that go the head coach gets to know these state representatives it could be um, a turnover depending if someone else trumps them in the state squad and um, so then the, the the national coach gets to see them develop relationships with them. And then finally every team comes together and selects the final squad based off what's best for Australia. Um, so ideally in a very Australian way, we all get a fair go at um, being put forward to the next stage. It's a very complex, complex uh, little system we've got. Um, we are alpha testing it again. Um, so I'm hoping in whenever next worlds is is that we get the feedback that the process of it was good but it just needs refining that's the ideal world if it's horrible obviously we need to rethink what we do problem <laughs> is in every country that i know of besides maybe british dodgeball is that we're all a volunteer run um organization so this is all organized off the backs of amazing volunteers who do this in the spare time. Um, so, and we mean, this is the big issue we had is like, we did record video, um, but over three days over whatever, how many courts I said, um, over so many hours, that's hundreds of hours of footage. Um, it's just impossible to see everyone. Um, and for us to kid ourselves that we're going to see everyone was our biggest fault that year. Um, so yeah, I've listened to the team. They know what's best. Um, another thing we've changed and I was so adamant in my first year presidency because I watched poor Luke do too many roles at the same time and burn himself out that we will never having player coaches again. Luke was also a national player at the time as well as being president as well as being head coach. <laughs> so a lot of stress on that guy. And I never wanted to see that again. I never want to see that level of stress again. So I made, was very adamant to never have player coaches. I've since rescinded that stubbornness um, based on the fact that a lot of our best players are also our best coaches. And if they have to choose, they're going to choose to play. Um, and I don't want to lose out on that experience and that leadership just because I don't think they can manage their own time. The, the solution to that is to have a full team of support in order for people to do that. And as well as uh, 
non-biased um, selection panel to support any selections so that we know the head coach isn't just choosing his friends that he plays with or her friends that she plays with, um, that we know that it's a full, well-rounded system to give everyone a fair chance of selection while also maintaining that we're going to get the best of the best. It's hard to do, man. It's hard to think up these programs and it takes a long time. <laughs> no, I mean, I hear you. I mean, but I mean, to be fair, it sounds like you have a similar model uh, to what Canada does because they also have um, state teams, provincial teams, and they, they kind of like dwindle it down that way, but they've been doing it for a lot longer. So a lot of what you're going through is probably what they've already went through. Um, back in 2012, the key difference is that our state teams are managed by our national program. So they are involved from step one um, and their name is on the board. Whereas the Canadian way is that you do it um, independently to a point and then you get scout on, scouted onto the national team. So you don't get a chance to develop that relationship with the head coach who's scouting. Basically um, you have to prove yourself time and time and time again. So if you don't get your moments seen, you're never going to get on the national team. So you have to draw an eye somehow. And that's, you know, it could be, and it is no attack on Canada or Vic as their program. But my criticism could be that um, a lot of their members are from Ontario, Ontario, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Um, because Vic lives in Toronto. I can't, I can't speak into it completely i don't know all the ins and outs of how they select nationally but it's it's something that we've had to address here in victoria is like a lot of like single-handedly our head coaches have always come from victoria and as much as it pisses everyone off here i have to like exaggerate that everyone nationally has to be seen you never know like you could have a kathy freeman in wa and we would have no idea if we didn't try Kathy Freeman's an amazing athlete, by the way. Yeah, there she is. Um, cool. I just didn't know if you knew. <laughs> oh, well, the, the, one of the reasons why um, I decided to take over for the international series uh, is because, granted, I have more of an Intel network in the UK side of things. I do have some small pockets of Intel as far as Singapore, Malaysia, and Australia. So mm. you could say I'm an international scout with no real platform other than an interview. Mm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the re okay. So let, I, I want to piggyback off and what Steve said. So in the thread, he says, swear to God, Sergio, you better ask this question as far as like, do I get the movie reactions? It's because he knows how much it annoys me <laughs> as a player to have to explain, no, I'm not dodging wrenches, nor am I dodging traffic or anything. So I think I might've said it in a previous episode that I wasn't going to ask that question anymore. So this is just his way of like, you know, playfully trolling me. So, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> so it was a little inside joke that I had to explain. All right. So Markel Stokes, um, Kind of give you a little background on him. Former teammate of mine. Uh, but he also supports the women's game here in the States, uh, as well as abroad. He has the largest jersey collection um, of female players that he admires and respects. Nice. So with, with his question, can Markel get a 
Oh, he spelled ro- rosy jersey. A rosy jersey? Do you like your, your national, for your national team? Like if you were to make a... Uh, oh, you were, yeah, he, he spelled it Royce. <laughs> I just read it. <laughs> Spell check, bud. Um. <laughs> That's true. That's fine. I'm Royce. Um, yes, you can get a Royce jersey. Uh, I need an address. And um, I have no idea how it's going to go for postage during COVID. But I have a bunch that I need to give away because I have just moved to a tiny apartment and can't keep them all. So let me know your size and I'll, I can, if you're a big guy, I can give you my old big girl jerseys. If you're a small dude, <laughs> give you my weight loss jerseys. Either way, it's chill. <laughs> gotcha. All right. You see, I told you I was going to answer that question. Um, and Joe Kalila, uh, he was actually one of the refs at 2018 and I believe he was a ref in Cancun as well. What, what are your favorite matches to watch at Worlds? Hmm. Kind of a broad question, but what would you say would, uh, outside of the matches you played in, what were the ones that you loved to enjoy to watch? <laughs> I barely watched my own games. Um, you <laughs> like um, any like I never get a chance to watch them. To be honest, for the last few years, uh, the only time I hang on, yeah. I might have been able to, no, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't watched them since I played on the Australian team, um, which was like one of the first ever ones recorded. And I don't even think they went online properly. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to really watch and sit down and watch them um, and analyze them. And yeah, so any, like, they're all great. I get to watch the highlights after. So for an explanation, I was being the ad hoc tournament manager in Cancun when I was actually there to have a holiday. <laughs> got got roped into that one pretty bad. Um, and do a bit of, like, I was meant to help the media team, but that wasn't meant to be as stressful and high pace as it was. So I didn't really get to watch my own country's games, which was sad. Uh, um and apologies to Nico, the head coach. I um, I was so out of the loop about what was happening in the tournament because I was just running around like a headless chook. Um, <laughs> that I uh, approached him when they were no, handing out the, I was, they were handing out the medals. I was like, guys, why aren't you walking on? And they had a, they lost their bronze medal match. I was like, oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I should have been paying attention. <laughs> But I was like, I would think I was in mid-argument with something about something, and I don't know. It was a crazy time. I mean, I can imagine. Um, when you said Nico, was it Nico Severtine? Yes, so Sever- head coach Sever- for the um, Australian team. He's now a, a national player because he's allowed to be and previous national player for the last few years. Um, so what did I do? played in 2018, so I didn't really watch – because if you got an opportunity to watch, you were meant to be warming down or warming up or eating or, you know, I just know, preparing, doing something during a tournament. Previous year was in Canada. It was the only opportunity I got to watch it. And I think I forgot it was on, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my bad. It looked amazing though. Like I got to watch some of the, like the, I think the Toronto one, Yes. Was beautiful in terms of like what it looks like on camera. 
they did it so well in Canada and I regret not watching it live. Um, 2016, I was refing at Worlds in Melbourne. So I, I guess I watched it. Um, Any matches re- sticks out during that time? Oh, oh, yes. Malaysia versus Canada men's finals. Oh, I was on my seat. So there was actually like... Um, on court where like I was finally off shift and I got to sit down and watch a game. Finally, um, I was on the edge of my seat and where I was standing or sitting, there was actually a giant hole in the ground, like right behind this one of the cameras and someone got an amazing, it was, I think it was the deflect off. Oh, I can't remember one of the Canadian players and the other guy caught it off the other side side you've probably seen the highlight and he it was the Canadian players and it was just like a massive rebound and he ended up catching it and I just like went off my rocker but I also stepped into this giant hole and fell through the floor (laughs) you can see me just like stack it in the background it's quite hilarious um amazing um but yeah that's the biggest standout I also so Luke Price credit to him and Dev and every and all the team members that hosted Melbourne one. I wasn't part of the ADF then. I was just some loser league owner who came to help out. Um, and it was, that was a precedent for the, like the future of dodgeball. I thought the Melbourne one, like Vegas was sick cause it was Vegas and like it was stepping up. But in terms of like production work, organization, um, support for the, the teams, I think Melbourne really killed it. Like, well done, Australia. Proud of you guys. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, so haven't really watched any besides that. And if you do watch it, my my uh, lesson was you f- fall into a hole in the ground. So <laughs> well, We call that falling with style, so we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so is it, what is that word we made up? So pretty much you've had a schmuzzle the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Sh- schmuzzle of years. <laughs> the schmuzzle of years. <laughs> All right. And Joe Kalella asks, what are your thoughts on instant replay? And is it used in any capacity in Australia? You guys have instant replay? <laughs> I'm not saying. No, we don't. Oh, okay. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> when did this happen? Um, okay. So my biggest worry of the sport of dodgeball <clears throat> is that we're going to become boring. Um, So instant replay. How do I feel about that? Um, If you watched Worlds in Mexico um, and probably um, LA from memory, obviously didn't watch Canada, but the refs have a lot of um, flexibility on their ref timeouts, which is great because we're getting the right calls out, but it's also horrible to play and horrible to watch because it's like, right, something I can't, I'm not confident in the call. So I'm just going to call a ref timeout. And it happens like every, like, it feels like every two minutes and, you know, by the time the game's over, it's like an hour and a half when it should be a 40 minute game. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't know if it's to replay is going to add to it, I think it will be have to be an amazing camera for one. We actually caught 
um, I'm not going to name names, but Australia did catch um, cheating at um, Cancun and uh, on camera, a uh, slow cam, high like high quality camera. And we caught the cheating. And because we have no policy on retrospective calls due to video, there's nothing that can really be done. So in order to have proper instant replay, you actually have to think about the, the cause and the effect of it. Um, so, I just don't, I don't know if it's going to kill the vibe of dodgeball, which is like one thing I love about dodgeball is that it's a sport that's built around honesty. And if you're a player and you cheat, um, that really like tars your record. Um, and we all know it. Um, but then it also on the flip side, it really builds really honest people on court. Like you see like people getting wind, what looks like wind near them and they just walk out sometimes. Sometimes it's a bit too honest, which yeah. is a good problem to have. And I just don't know if it's, I don't know if we're ready for it just yet. Um, I think we need to, there's a few steps before we get there. Like, I think it will be beneficial for refing, but like, you got to think about all the pauses and then like instant replay while it says instant replay isn't generally very instant um, <laughs> when you look at it. So it does pause the game. It does kill the vibe of the game. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have a straightforward answer. I think it will be great. I also think it'd be terrible. <laughs> I think, I mean, whenever you add anything to dodgeball and it's, and because like it's a sport in its infancy, it's going to have some growing pains, whether it's a rule change or, uh, or, or just anything, whether it's a rule change or a policy change, it's definitely going to have some growing pains, but I definitely feel um, if we're ready for it, if the technology exists for it, I say, why not? Let's give it a shot. We're growing. We've mm. got nothing to lose. You know what I mean? It's not mm. like if like more progress isn't going to set us back. No, of course not. I just, that's, um, so that, that's what I think. Like, um, I'm open to the change. I think, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it does affect the play of the game. Not that people should be out there cheating at world's level, but yeah. for us to like every minuscule call, check the instant replay rather than having a ref confident in what they've seen and heard um, and game on, keep playing. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Cause there's always a lot of iffy blocks, but sometimes it's just an iffy block, but it's still a block. And yeah. if that's always called on a certain player, it's like, <sighs> yeah, I just, I don't know. Gotta have to see it. I'm open cool. to the change. I'm open to seeing how it plays out for like, let's alpha test this. Um, yeah, I definitely would say that. I mean, I think it can be, it can be applied if it's in the same way, like what we have here with the NFL where a coach can challenge a play two times, but if they're wrong on the first challenge, then they lose a timeout. So you have to really think as a coach, yeah. okay, did this guy cheat, but am I willing to risk time that I can control to regather my team to get this cheater out or penalize? Yeah, so but ref, I'm, a, I'm not afraid of the coaches abusing it, to be honest, um, because, you know, whatever I mean, you dish out, you get back. But um, refs, I'm worried about, not that, I'm worried about refs killing time and killing the vibe of the game due to them not confident. That That's my biggest worry about no no i definitely see that um 
But what I'm saying is the challenges could be applied from the coach's perspective because they have to risk losing a timeout if the replay shows that their complaint was incorrect. Yeah, but what if a ref keeps calling one? Maybe applying limits on the refs as well. But, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the refs aren't there to, like, be penalized for any way, which way, you know? Because strategically, yeah. the only games that – the only people that have to influence the game is the players and the coaches. The refs are just yeah. simply there to enforce the rules. So if they keep calling timeout, keep calling timeout, 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 whatever, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, it's annoying. But if a coach does it, penalize the coach if they're wrong. Because yeah. they're, you know, they're creating a yeah. negative influence on the game. Now, if you keep picking Agreed. on the same player, then obviously, you know, disciplinary actions have to take, take into effect. Because there's no reason yeah. why a variety of coaches can challenge one player and that ends up being right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you also have to risk as a coach, am I really, am I really correct in what I saw? Because then that takes away a timeout that I can use for my team later on. Yeah. Making solid points. I'm open to it. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm a nerd. I, I think too much. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we're done with the crowdsource questions. Now we're going to go into the tough four. Um, so with the first one being, what's the one thing in dodgeball you could change at any level if you could? Um, so pre this I'd said it's a bit of a contentious one for me because I've actually put it out publicly and I got a lot of backlash but I said um (sighs) I think the women's line needs to change I don't think there should be a women's line in my eyes it's sexist um same with any adaption on a game that is primarily a mixed sport um to view another gender as inferior physically even though like i said my biggest enjoyment is watching a small woman take out a big man um i just think everyone no matter who you are gender size sometimes even attitude um you have a purpose on court and it's up to you to find out what that purpose is whether you're a catcher whether you're an amazing blocking get in a person's face and put that pressure on whether you have an amazing throw, whether you don't have an amazing throw, but you have well-timed, smart play, everyone can find their, their place. And that's, what, that's the beauty of dodgeball. And to have a women's line and go, well, women have smaller hands or women aren't as fast or they can't throw as hard, cool. I accept those facts, but they are not significant enough to change a court size in my eyes. Um, like, especially when... We've got cloth, which has men's, women's, and mixed at, a, at their European level, used to be world level, and um, foam doesn't. I know that Elite has mixed, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Elite uh, had um, co-ed. So we have high-level mixed play competitively, and um, we're not willing to make that a thing at Worlds for foam. just seems odd that it's an issue for one. Um, and it was, and I, I have read back in the original, original WDBF who are horrible people. There's very few people on the current WWE. Bleh, I don't think there is anyone from the original oh, one person who's actually quite nice. <laughs> original WDBF board were not the greatest people um, from reading all their secret things. Um, and the original process of adding the women's line was a sexist 
um, opinion. Um, it's now backed up by a bunch of strong opinionated women, which is great. Um, but I feel like their reasoning comes from other sports, not this sport. And that's always been my argument is that dodgeball is dodgeball, basketball is basketball. They're different sports. Um, yeah, but that, that's, that's one thing I wish would change. Um, it's setting us back, I think, because um, like dodgeball kind of grew out of a really great era for women in which we are absolutely equal. Um, or if we're not, like everyone seems to recognise that and is trying to do their best to change it. We've also got a lot of um, LGBT community and we accept those people in our community. We don't hinder them with our policies um, or we try not to. And I just feel like the women's line is from a really bad era and an era that was taken from other sports that we have a chance to not have in our history. And yet we do. And that's a pretty valid argument. And um, yeah, cause uh, like I can't think of any sport where a line or the size of a court is actually deferred or like modified in any way for genders. Uh, like, I got you're... told that um, basketball, but they're also like, yeah. I mean, sports, but basketball in the States, the three point line is shorter, but if you go to yeah. Europe or if you go even to Mexico, it's the same size court, the same three point line. Yeah. So it's like, it's just here in that sense where I think it's kind of different, but most sports, um, I can't think of literally, I can't think of anything other than dodgeball where you modify the court size or the line because of, you know, because of a women's division. Doesn't make sense to me, but I definitely agree. It doesn't make sense to me. It is a nine by eighteen <laughs> meter court. Um, like it doesn't not matter on your gender at that point. It is so insignificant. I do recognise that men, like physically, um, generally, are a lot more powerful, but that doesn't mean that they're better. Yeah. <laughs> like like I said, doesn't matter what your your body type is or what your genitals are. Like you're gonna find your purpose on court. Couldn't set it better than my. Couldn't set it better uh, myself. It's actually his <laughs> point. <laughs> All right. So second, um, uh, what would be a career highlight for you as a player and as an organizer? So like this is what I was gonna to refer to before. Um, it's like a weird highlight um, for me. It's like a, it was a really rough time in 2018 um, to walk onto the world stage. Um, one week after becoming president, um, we had a pretty terrible time as a team as a whole. There was a lot of drama, as there is on every team. Let's be honest. Um, and I was personally getting um, just sucked into it when I was trying to just, you know be a player at that time I said guys I can't be I can't do any decision making like I know it's my first week but like <laughs> I didn't plan for this <laughs> um and unfortunately it did call for leadership so I had to step up at certain points and probably well I did overstress myself because um I didn't eat the night prior to the tournament I didn't um sleep very well 
Um, and then I got up at about some time in the middle of the night and um, I went to turn off the air con because I couldn't breathe. I just had an amazing amount of stress and anxiety the day before. And it wasn't to do with the tournament at all. It wasn't even on my mind. Um, it was to do with all this other crap. And um, I ended up having a seizure the night before I stepped on the world stage. Oh, wow. And then I had to go and tell the coaches in the morning that um, don't put me on probably. I don't know. I don't know if I'm fit to play. Uh, it was a really horrible time to admit that. But the career highlight for me as a player was having a coach that said, let's like, let's take it hour by hour, see how you're feeling. You tell me if you're ready to play and like, like, I did step on, I, I played, um, I actually called my dad, who's a doctor. And I said, I had this thing. What do you think? I, I got doctor's advice for free in America. <laughs> never happens. Um, no, never and, does. <laughs> and, uh, he said, um, you're under stress. All you have to do is calm down. Um, and everything else will be okay. So I followed my dad's advice, which is why it's my advice that you need to calm down. Um, stepped onto court, played my little heart out, did my best I could. Um, and they kept wanting me to play the second day. So that was really nice. <laughs> I didn't faint. I didn't feel faint, but I didn't faint and I didn't have a seizure and I haven't had one since. Um, so anyone out there that is taking a lot of stress about dodgeball, do note that stress seizures are a thing. Didn't know that. Um, you can overload your brain. Um, so that was my career highlight for playing. Um, I mean, I got silver medal, but um, I would say 2015 wasn't my best year. 2018 was probably my best year of playing because um, I actually cared. I wasn't drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What was the other part of the question? Uh, oh, as an as organizer. An organizer. <sighs> Mm, there's a lot of wins there and they're always small wins um it's i think my most recent win is um so just a bit of background i'm pretty much out of playing dodgeball at least for the foreseeable future i might jump into training one once or twice but i've actually done my knee and kind of can't play anymore so that's a depressing moment, but it's really, really fun to watch your community take on it, like its own image um, after so much guidance. Like me and my business partner, Jacques, have guided this community since 2014, 2014, 2015. Jesus, what year is it? Um, and uh, so we've guided this community of, you know, hundreds of adults into our image of what a dodgeball community should be like, which is generally a supportive and positive environment and inclusive and you know all the good stuff that we never really get in our day-to-day -day. Um, while also being competitive which is quite hard to do um, yeah so this year we've um, actually pretty much all taken a step back me my business partner and my newest co-owner Jess um, Jack's fiance has we've all taken a step back in our management um, in doing the day-to-day -day stuff. And we've actually got two managers now. We've got a head coach and they're taking that role on into their own. And sort of like 
watching your baby take its first steps. It's like a little bit nerve wracking. You kind of holding your hands out, hoping to support them if they fall, but yeah, they haven't fallen. They've really like, they're sprinting ahead. Um, they keep coming back with us with like really good advice, really good feedback. And it's like stepping into a new era for uh, Adelaide Dodgeball as an organizer. Like, and we've also had wins of like, um, you know, players getting onto the Australian team that like weren't originally from Melbourne, from like the, the hub of Australian dodgeball. Um, so the like having our very first SA, pure SA reps has been amazing. Um, we've also had like crazy tournaments, like most recent one before COVID, we hosted a Halloween tournament in um, a historical jail. So somewhere where they used to hang prisoners in a big scary place and it's where ghost walks happen and stuff. We hosted a Halloween dodgeball tournament there. Very appropriate um, venue. Yeah. So that was super cool to play um, and organize. And we had a couple of international, uh, not international, interstates. Um, and then, I mean, I do ADF stuff, hosted, like organized my first um, nationals last year. Um, which had uh, all four states for the first time playing, which was awesome. Um, and we're about to step it up next time when we can and have uh, multiple divisions with multiple states. Um, COVID's kind of messed things up, but yeah. yeah. I think there's just, there's a lot of satisfaction out of being an organizer, um, whereas it can be kind of frustrating as a player, especially, I mean, I can talk because now I'm injured and I used to be fat. Like I used to be a big girl and I wasn't seen as a superior athlete, but you get a lot more satisfaction out of being an organizer and stress um, than being a player in my eyes. Um, a player can only take you so far and in a growing sport, um, it's really, really fun to find your own path. Um, and it's really fun to like pick up other paths from other leagues. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a nerd. Could be that. I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Feel ya. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, I can definitely say uh, the small wins are, are just as uplifting, especially in, in the year that we're in now and everyone having their own uh, issues to deal with one way, shape or form. It's the small wins that like we hold on to that keeps us going for the bigger ones ahead. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that I can say with uh, almost confidence. <laughs> um, so this one, this one's going to hit in the gut and you already know what this is. Um, what does life after dodgeball look like for you? I think you kind of explained um, it a little bit, but yeah. if you want to go into further detail. I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I, I, this has been my battle over COVID is like, am I ready to give it up? I've, I've only in my eyes had a short stint of presidency and um, got to tell you, it burns you out real quick. Um, there's some heroes out there like Jake Mason and Dwayne and Brian and people have been doing it for years and being leaders in their community. Dev, my vice president, um, he's never been president off the top of my head, but he sure as hell should be. Um, he's a great leader, but it burns the hell out of you. And I understand why people don't want to step up. I don't know what the solution is there. Um, 
but yeah, it definitely push pushes people to wanting to quit in um, time when we really need really good people stepping up. The only solution I can foresee is to have more people power and less burden on a single person. Um, and you mean more like a council rather than? No, not necessarily. Like I mean, every nonprofit has a board for decision making and you should utilize that if you're a president, if you don't, you're doing a bad job. Um, speaking from experience, um, <laughs> you, um, it's more the burden of the amount of work that has to be done. Not necessarily the decision making, which can be hard. Um, but as a council, you can be confident generally in your decisions, but it's like just the bulk of the work, website editing, communicating, organizing venues, um, and like, if you do multiple layers of that, it really, it really adds up. And like, if, if you're not doing it to get paid, like the unfortunate thing is you're going to burn out unless you get help. There, I mean, I, I'm a league owner and I earn money off my league, but I burnt out. It's not enough money. <laughs> I think I calculated recently my hourly wage for being a league owner was six or seven dollars an hour. So, um, and then you get, um, you get your community as much as you love them like children. Sometimes that you hate them like they're children <laughs> and, uh, you get them in your ear, um, complaining about very small things in which you've tried very hard to try to perfect the system. If you, if you're, if you're an owner that cares, You've tried really hard and I like, I see some owners in Canada, USA, um, Malaysia who are just trying their f-ing hardest and like they're sorry about this, my word. And they just like get one bad comment and it can absolutely just turn your week into a nightmare because it all you, if you got anxiety, that's all you think about is like you failed in that one, one little sector where, where it's hard to sometimes celebrate those little wins. So life after dodgeball sounds like a lot less stress for me, but I don't know if I'm ready to give it up, which is the sad thing is maybe I'm addicted to the stress. Um, I like, I feel, I feel like a failure in the ADF and I feel like a failure in the WDBF, but I hear otherwise. And I don't know if that's a sad state of our industry is if I'm feeling like a failure, and everyone else thinks I'm doing fantastic work. What does that say about dodgeball <laughs> or myself? <laughs> well, oh. I mean, I, I, I would honestly say, I mean, I'm not a league owner or anything like that. Uh, so I can't compare the stress of being a team captain to being a, a, a league owner by any means. But I feel like if you're hearing positive feedback from your community, it should reinforce you in a way that empowers you to continue. It should. Um, um, and it, and I could, I could speak for, from sort of personal experience. Uh, the past week has been for me mm. and I've had random players from all over the world. And even some people who've, who I've interviewed, you know, tell me I'm doing a great job with the series on this podcast. And mm. not to say that I was thinking of quitting dodgeball in any way, shape or form, but just hearing that 
like I'm the type of person who um how do I say like I'm I'm too ignorant to stay down for the 10 count you know it's a it's a boxing reference like I'm not gonna yeah, I, was like, I have no idea what you mean <laughs> yeah so if you're knocked down in boxing you get 10 seconds for the rest of the fight and I don't know what it is I'm just too stupid to lay down you know like I, I, I want to keep going it's any way shape I can and yeah, I feel honestly, like, I think I'm with, there with you. Like, <laughs> life has definitely thrown you a bone, and if you can just want to keep working through that, that's probably saying something about the work you're doing. Is that you're very passionate about it? Yeah, I mean, probably to sometimes to your own detriment. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to deny from that. Personal experience. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that there could be some personal consequences there, but there's a sense of courage and bravery that makes heroes the most illogical way of you know being around because like some people should stay down some people find reasons to stay down and mm. some people find reasons to walk away but it's the very few in any field in any capacity that find a way to keep going and those are the people we're drawn to and mm. i think in some strange way whether you see it or not i think you're one of those people that the entire community locally and internationally are drawn to you know, they, they love what you've done since you've taken over. And I think people will understand you better because of this episode and how open you've been. So for that, I will say, I, I commend you and I respect you way more than I did. And I've already respected you to begin with. So. Oh. <laughs> Thanks man. <laughs> I'm really bad at accepting compliments. <laughs> yeah. Same here. So, um, um that's very nice of you to say. Um, so yeah, but in terms of life after dodgeball, <laughs> you're not uh, ready to fill it in. I think it seems like a very boring world to live in, um, Same. and I don't see myself fully quitting in a f like any capacity. Like I will give up things for my own mental health probably at some point. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's, it's – I don't think it's in my capacity to give up dodgeball completely. It's now part of my personality, if I have to admit to it. Um, Same. And, <laughs> and uh, I think it's selfish of me at this point to completely give it up um, without some sort of succession plan. Um, so it will be a slow transition out and probably not ever completely out. So I don't know what it looks like. If I did, it probably looks miserable because I'm, I'm out for playing and it's already miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think most of us here are, I, mean, I haven't, I, I miss throwing out a live target. <laughs> True. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'm I, American. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we've, gone way past i think this is going to be the longest but one of the most enriching episodes in the international series and you've opened up very well to everything i've asked of you and the crowdsource questions that i'm sure you know made you laugh a little bit made you think a lot um so this is where i flip the script or turn the table and have you ask oh, yes. me whatever you come up so yes, go I for prepped it my questions mm -hmm. 
<laughs> um, it's not going to be anything too juicy. Sorry. <laughs> Sounds like you've already had some uh, hard ones come at you. So, <laughs> um, can you describe your local community to me? Uh, well, I live in LA, uh, predominantly in the Hollywood, West Hollywood area. So that's where Jake Mason runs his league. Um, well, pre COVID I should say. Uh, so I would say as far as my community, it's, uh, as far as dodgeball, it's arguably the most enriched talent pool in the States. As far as us playing again, pre COVID playing six days a week in various styles and various parts of the city. So, yeah, um, I would say as far as that goes, yeah, dodgeball, we're one of the most in-depth talent, as far as talent pool is concerned in the country, and I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, and as far as my local community, um, I live in Hollywood. It's a tourist spot. <laughs> so pretty cut and dry there. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next question. Uh, what do you think the next steps for dodgeball is globally? Globally? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned something similar before, but just getting to the Olympics. I, I, I sincerely believe if we get there, that opens a lot of flood. And obviously it's easier said than done. Mm. Um, easier said than done but once we jump that hurdle and put our foot in the door everything else is just going to be easier from then on you know mm. having the Olympic recognition opens more doors for us if that makes sense whether it be through sponsorships or network deals locally it opens up the door 100% you yeah, are on the right the track hurdle. It is going to take us years. Um, we have the worst hand dealt to us as well. We have a rival international org. And both of us existing um, is a detriment to each other. <laughs> uh, so, and a detriment to the sport of dodgeball. Um, so thanks, WDA, for founding yourself after we did. <laughs> Done a world of good there. Um, <laughs> the first hurdle we have to accomplish is a merge or a, I don't want it to go this way because we've all been through the international dodgeball drama, but an annihilation of one of us. It has to happen. Otherwise, we're never going to get anywhere. So that's yeah. the reality we have to face. Is I totally agree. To, we have to deal with that first before we can even probably be recognized as a legitimate sport in, in step one, not even Olympic level. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a fun little step in the, in the right direction. In the You're right direction. Wrong. I did, um, I did formulate like other pathways um, when I was COO of where we could start to build ourselves um but like official pathways are the you know the go-to for everyone i went to um i went to uh the guys of g-a-i-s-f 
conference in um, Gold Coast and I met all the big head honchos who uh, decide if you're a sport or not. The big, the big guns. I don't even know their names. Um, mostly Italian. <laughs> um, but uh, that was a bit of an eye opener on um, on sport. It was a sad eye opener. So for me to discuss going down the Olympic pathway is kind of a depressing moment for me because I met all of them and I understand their goals. Um, you can even look at other sports that are facing similar issues um, like uh, parkour. Um, gymnastics just decided that they're going to take over parkour and they could because they're a bigger and um, richer organization, even though parkour had all the foundations of its own sport. Um, and so that's a lengthy legal battle that they're fighting. Um, got my good friend Travis in parkour internationally. So shout out to him if he's listening. <laughs> um, and then there's, you know, mixed martial arts, um, are going through lengthy years of battle because a lot of the people who sit in the board, um, are, you know, presidents or chairs of their, their, um, own fighting organizations. And so mixed martial arts is a major threat to them because it's highly popular, um, and is earning a lot of money, but it's not a recognized sport. Um, and they just want the recognition really. They're, they're fine financially. So, um, Yes, I think my, my uh, I think my sad reality and message I have for everyone is that sport is corrupt. We all know it. <laughs> look at look at FIFA. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was about to say look at FIFA, but I mean, FIFA um, has enough. They're not money alone. <laughs> they're not alone in their corruption. Um, it's just a little bit more subtle, and they're not as big and in the media's face. So it's out there. Um, and we can see that and the mistake that guys have made in their recognition, their own policies of WDA. I'm happy to talk to this, to my counterparts here. We're going to have to go to negotiations anyway. Um, but the policies of guys um, was that you're, you cannot be a international organization recognized by guys if, if there is a competing org that is in their policies for recognition and they chose to ignore it they've admitted it to us yeah i think that's that's my final message what i just said um it's a long and lengthy and difficult and stressful battle and the more people we can have supporting whatever side you choose i honestly don't care at this point whoever's the best wins in my opinion um whoever you think is best support them and support them in maybe people power. If you can't support them financially, which none of us can. Um, so like volunteer, volunteer for the organization that you think has the best, um, best intentions for the community and for the sport itself. Whoever that is, you go for it. Um, so yeah, that is my final message. And thank you. I think that? you're on the right track. So Mike, <laughs> <laughs> There's no way around it. That's the, the big, the big one that we have to face. It was actually my third question is like, so you actually said, um, so we're going to reframe that question because my next question was what are the biggest hurdles for dodgeball? Well, so what are the next steps for dodgeball? Uh, well, I can actually answer this differently because I think you've already said I answered it before. Um, the next step for it <laughs> is 
providing more content, um, whether it be through leagues, through, you know, or whatever, as far as like highlight reels of plays and, you know, maybe certain players, you know, just getting more content out there because this sport 100%. Is so, there's so, there's so much more athleticism in the sport that, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see Vince Marchbanks have his back throw go viral and be featured on MTV and possibly internationally. But we got plenty of players who can do awesome things. As cool as that is to see that, we have way more in our library and maybe even some that haven't been recorded yet, obviously because of the pandemic, mm. that can be viral. Mm. So sharing clips, sharing content, sharing uh, channels, just share because you never know how much of that can go viral. Because you know, it's one thing to have that one highlight, but at the same time, how many times have you gone and watched AFL or NBA or NFL or the Premier League and they have highlight packages on highlight packages on top of highlight packages to the mm. point where you have fans within the fan base arguing, oh, this corner kick was better than that free kick or that fadeaway jumper was better than that post move in the paint or, you know, it's just like, it's not, we have to have that competition of highlights, so to speak. You should but definitely because, talk to our director of media, Marco, with DBF, because he has very much similar thoughts as to go viral. And yeah, um, I, mean, I agree with him. If you think about it, like also something I'm very familiar with, MMA. How many times have you seen knockout highlights, submission highlights, mm. um, even cool highlights of fighters from Australia, fighters from Malaysia, fighters from the US, like, and then you have the fan base arguing which one was better. Mm. We have to create that dialogue more than just one viral clip going on MTV or Sky Sports or whatever the case is. You know, like mm. we have enough content and we have the athletes that can provide said content. We just have to share it more. 100%. I am on board with that. And um, uh, one of our most recent viral clips was um, of Des from the Osmonds. Um, went on the WDBF Instagram and it got shared from geez, one of those sports like highlights clips. And it just got millions of views, um, millions of views, some horrible people out there checking the comments, but um, it was great. Why viral? <laughs> I mean, invite them on the court and see how horrible they could be. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, well, Des <laughs> is actually a bit of a bless. So uh, I don't know if he would ever punish people. Um, well, he, he's a better man than me. <laughs> I'll say he's that. He's a better man than most men. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, I back in the day, like, back when I was on MySpace more often than not, I would share my submission videos, and people who would look at me as a tiny guy would think otherwise if I put him in an arm, arm bar or a guillotine. So just make people humble, you know? Get them talking. True, true. Man, MySpace. What an era. Yeah, that kind of shows my age. Um, now I'm not, not afraid of it. So it's, when I, it's how I learned to code. <laughs> Gotta get that custom MySpace page. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You see, these people don't know nothing about that now. You got to have apps now and people playing Fortnite. It's something else entirely different now. I, well, I, I do feel I like that old man. <laughs> <laughs> don't you get on Fortnite. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it is what it is, but not my type of game personally. Um, but as we begin to wrap this up, um, cause I definitely needed some good laughs. That was a good one. Um, any shout outs you would like to give? 
Um, big shout out to my whole Adelaide Dodgeball community. Um, you are a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Every night I come come to league, it's an interesting night. <laughs> Something happens. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely have to, one, obviously, times permit, fly out to Adelaide and see what that scene is about. Cause, um, yeah, for sure. You're always welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'll definitely do that. And um, thank you for hopping on. Uh, thank you to the listeners. This is definitely a long podcast, but as you can tell, we both had a lot of fun with it, and I hope you have fun listening to it. So on that note, I'm going to hit the swoosh right now. All right, and that was my interview with Rosie Everett. Rosie, thank you so much for hopping on and talking dodgeball with me as well as sharing funny stories and really opening up what you go through as far as organizing and some of the funny moments you've had and even making up words as we go along to where you had to Google them literally 30 seconds after you made it up. (laughs) But um, if anything... I want to say um, there was something on there that she touched on and it's simply taking the small wins and for anyone who's, you know, going through anything this year has taken away a lot from us. And I can say that personally, but I always say just take every win that you can, every small win, every small moment of laughter and joy because I promise you more will be to come. And if anything, I can say that this year, um, this year is really testing a lot of us, you know, on, you know, as far as what it's taken away from us on and off the court, the opportunities we're looking forward to. But if anything, I will say, just keep finding every way, which way to win. Keep finding every which way, because I promise you the stage will come back. And all that will be showcase is how you got there and the legacy we'll leave behind. So for anyone who's, you know, listened up until this point, thank you so much. Um, really, really enjoying doing the international series and I'm having fun with it. This does not feel like work at all. This feels like, like a godsend of a project that I've decided to take on. And I know, I'm doing better at it. And thank you for everyone who's been a part of it. Thank you for everyone who's listened, everyone who's shared, liked, and subscribed. Uh, So stay in tune for my announcement of my next guest and hopefully see you soon.